This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The Gospel message wanted to hear God's message of redemption. Stay. He said, you're to stay there. Verse 11, there abide till you go thence. When his messenger was come to the house, they were to salute it. It means, the Greek word there means to wish it well, wish it well. And the specific well that they were to wish it on that house is in verse 13. If the house be worthy, suitable, let it, let your peace come upon it. Let your shalom come on this house. In other words, they, they were to pray that their shalom would come to this house. Peace, or the lack of peace, no peace, is the plague of sin. It's the plague of sin. Isaiah 48, 21 to 22. Isaiah 48, 21, 22. And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave the rock also, and the waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith my God, uh, no, there is no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. Now, when you read the first part of that, Isaiah 48, 21, you read the first part, Isaiah 48, 21, you really get a, a, a sense that, so what could be wrong? Everything is provided for. They're in the desert. God leads them. They didn't get thirsty. In order to make sure they didn't get thirsty, he even causes water to gush out of a rock. Well, that sounds very nice. When Israel's in the desert, he provided everything to them. God gave them water for their thirst, even if it meant coming out of a rock. All they had to do was just go collect the water. They came out, that's all they had to do. God provided for them. For their hunger, God provided food for their hunger, even if it meant raining bread from the sky every morning. All they had to do, just go out, collect the food. God provided for them, they were provided for God provided for their feet to be protected, 
even by having their shoes miraculously not wear out for 40 years. All they had to do every morning is put their shoes on. Everything that Israel needed was physically, was provided, everything that Israel needed physically was provided for them in the desert. Outwardly, Israel was more provided for than if they were in Hawaii, in the desert there. Physically, Israel had no physical needs in the desert. That's what it's talking about. All their physical needs were met. But the next verse, verse 29, Isaiah 48, verse 21 shows everything was met for them. But the next verse, verse 22, Isaiah 48, 22, shows that there was something that was a great need for Israel in the desert. Again, Isaiah 48, 21. They thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He claved the rock also. The waters gushed out. There is no peace, saith the Lord unto the wicked. So in the desert, Israel in the desert had no physical needs. Outwardly, they had what they needed. But inwardly, they had a need that howled through their souls like the desert wind. And that need was peace. They had no peace. No peace, lo shalom. And that's what the situation is today. Many people today, they have all of their physical needs met. Food and drink, you walk into an Albertson store, you're almost overwhelmed by how much food and drink there is there. Clothing, closets full. Housing, more than adequate. Weather, San Diego. All the physical needs are perfectly met. But there's one howling need among people, peace, no peace, no inner peace. Peace, that means that people today suffer from restlessness, a restlessness that drives them into a compulsive work, a a, a drive to make more and more and more money. How much money is enough? It's not enough. A restlessness that drives them into a destruction of Relationships, the destruction of their marriages, restlessness of, that results in insomnia, restlessness that results in with a, an anxiety and a, just an under uh, a, a feeling of of, uh, of fear, restlessness that drives into alcohol and drugs and pornography, a restlessness that comes from no peace, as God said in Isaiah fifty-seven. 20, Isaiah 57, 20. The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God to the wicked. Outwardly, all is provided for inside raging sea. And the reason for this condition of no inner peace is because, Romans 8, 7, Romans 8, 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's an enemy of God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 5.10, Romans 5.10. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Sin makes a person to be the enemy of God and results in no peace. Sin sets up a warfare with God and results in no peace. 
the person outside the Lord Jesus Christ, he may be thinking, I don't, I'm not, what am I, an enemy of God? I'm not an enemy of God. I don't think about an enemy of God. I don't think about God. What's enemy, you know? But when he really thinks about the law of God, the Ten Commandments, if even, in the Bible, he's afraid. And when he really thinks about death and just the possibility of having to face judgment after, after death, he's alarmed. And when he really thinks about hell, it's terrifying. And all of those thoughts are disturbing and they trouble. So he tries not to think about them, but really he's robbed of peace. There's no peace. So this was the gospel good news, the message of the apostles. The gospel good news is really summed up in one word. The gospel good news is summed up in one word and it's the word ready, ready. It's the word ready, just that one word. The good news that the apostles brought and that you and I bring is the word ready. God is ready to be reconciled with dirty, rotten sinners and bring in peace. The good news that the apostles brought and you and I bring in is God is ready to pardon the sin of man and bring him peace. The gospel good news is that God is ready to make peace with man. The gospel is that all of the obstacles that stand in the way of man being united to God, like obstacles of the love of sin and the obstacle of rebellion against God and the obstacle of a guilty conscience, God is ready to take them away. So that's the good news. It's good news. The good news is all about the word ready. God is ready to become friends with man. So this is the God's salvation plan. God's, God's plan is that he is ready to do all this and it all centers around the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man accepts God's plan through the Lord Jesus Christ, then Isaiah 48.8, then Isaiah 48.8, oh, that they had hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Isaiah 66, 12, Isaiah 66, 12. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. So God's promise was and is that if a person embraces the Lord Jesus Christ as God and Savior, that peace would just flow like a river and there would be a joyful singing, as it says in Isaiah 55, 12, Isaiah 55, 12. You shall go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. There is a singing because the agitation of no peace is now turned to a calm. There's a singing because the fears that were once there, they're dead, they died. There's a singing because all that terror is now turned to a comfort and a rest, singing because the message in verse seven, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, really means the words of the, of the song. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross, the savior made me whole. My sins were washed away. My night was turned to day. Heaven came down, glory filled my soul. What a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. When I was wandering in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. 
All this was what the apostles were bringing to the houses when it said in verse 13, let your peace come upon it. That's a real peace, that's an inner peace. Now the peace that they were bringing had a source. The peace had a source. It says in verse 13, your peace. He says to the them, let your peace, it's your peace. It was the peace of the apostles. It belonged to the apostles. It was a peace the apostles had. When they lost, the lost saw the peace in the apostles. They knew that I need that peace. I need your peace. And so the lost knew that they had to have the peace that the apostles had. And it was that inner peace the apostles had as source. The reason that the apostles had that peace is because they got it from someone else. They got it from the Lord. In John 14, 27, John 14, 27, when the Lord said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So the peace that the apostles had was a real peace, it was an inner peace. The peace those apostles had did not really originate in the apostles, though they had it but their peace originated in the Lord Jesus Christ, which he then called my peace. He says, my peace. And they received it from the Lord. He's talking about freely you have received, freely give in this passage. Well, this is their peace that they freely, because in John 14, 27, peace, my peace, I give unto you. It was a peace that took away all the trouble in their heart, as he said. Let not your heart be troubled. My peace give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So, that's a peace with God. That's the Romans 5.1, peace with God. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so long as the person they were staying with, the host, the apostles, so long as that person was hungry, for the Lord Jesus Christ, wanted the gospel message, they were to stay in the house, stay in the house. But as soon as the host was no longer interested in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his offer of peace with God, it was time to, verse 13, if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Tragically, there are some people today that just get tired of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. Some people just grow cold in their interest to the Lord Jesus Christ, like the Laodiceans did in Revelation 3.14. Revelation 3.14, unto the angel of the church of Laodicea write, these things saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That meant that once they were hot for the Lord Jesus Christ, now they just got tired of him. They just become, it's not that they became critical of him, it's not that they became antagonistic to the Lord Jesus Christ, just the heat of the interest in the Lord Jesus Christ has cooled off, and now they're just in a state of lukewarm. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that he hates that state of indifference so much he was gonna vomit them out of their mouth. It actually says, I really actually wish that instead of that, you were cold and antagonistic toward me. 
rather than being indifferent and lukewarm. And their view of the Lord Jesus Christ, the things of God, was just, well, same old, same old, I already know that, nothing really interesting anymore. And some people just have become today lukewarm towards the Lord Jesus because the fervent interest, it's gone, it's gone, gone, gone. And for others, if it's not that, then they became distracted away from the Lord Jesus Christ. They could be distracted away from the Lord Jesus Christ just from the pressures of life, just from the, oh, I got it, all that I gotta do. You know, in Mark 4.19, Mark 4.19, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. They distracted away from the Lord Jesus Christ, but that by the I got to get this done list. They're distracted away from the Lord Jesus Christ by I gotta make money. They're distracted away from the Lord Jesus Christ by any some other passion in life. And sometimes that distraction away from the Lord Jesus Christ can be distracted by religious works. Religious works. That's what happened to the Ephesians. The Ephesians in a Revelation 2.2, Revelation 2.2, where, where he said, I know thy works. He's talking about their religious works. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my namesake has labored and not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. It was their religious works that distracted the Ephesians away from the Lord Jesus Christ. But no matter what the distraction is, whether it's the pressures of life or money or some passion or religious works, the end result is the same there, which is no interest, no more interest, just not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. It's been, the interest has been choked, has been choked off. And whereas in the past there was a strong interest in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, now the flame's gone out and all there is is just ashes of where the flame was. And so the apostles are being told, if you see this happen in the house you're staying in, that's the time to let your peace return to you. Say, fine, you're not interested in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, then go back to your turmoil, inner turmoil. Verse 13, if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. As in, if it be not no longer suitable for the gospel anymore, peace of God is withdrawn. Now, then he goes on and he further says uh, in verse 14, whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of the city, shake off the dust of your feet. The, in other words, this is talking about a decided rejection, a decided refusal to hear. I don't want to hear it anymore, that and the Lord views this rejection, he views it as a rejection of himself and a rejection of his word. So he says, in that case, shake off the dust of your feet. Now, shaking the dust off the feet is quite a vivid expression. It's, a expression, it's an expression of their rejection of the gospel. It's an expression of the apostles choosing to separate themselves from them. It's an expression of also the apostles rejecting, rejecting disinterest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also it's an expression of a threatening judgment that they're facing for turning away from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
but it's also an expression for the apostles of the end of their responsibility to bring the, re, the gospel to that person. They are no longer going to be held accountable. No blood on their hands as they have done their job. And this we see in Acts 13, Acts 13, where this actually happened, in Acts 13, 44, Acts 13, 44, the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming, blaspheming, blaspheming. And then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we return to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldst be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their cities. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Ghost. Then he finishes in verse 15 by saying, Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now why is that? What is the difference between Sodom and Gomorrah and the city that the apostle was in and, and preaching the gospel? Well, the difference was all one word, and it's the word opportunity, opportunity. Sodom and Gomorrah did not have the opportunity to hear the gospel, and, and they did not have the responsibility to respond to the gospel. But the city that the apostles were in had the opportunity to hear the gospel, and they had the responsibility to respond to the gospel. So this shows that judgment is the severity of judgment is based on the extent of the opportunity that was rejected or the, or the greatness of the opportunity that was rejected. Great opportunity rejected, great judgment. Shows how serious, it is, serious this is when the gospel is presented to a person and he rejects the gospel. It's strange, it's strange that the better the gospel is presented and understood, the better the opportunity there is for that person to come and be saved from their sins, the better is the opportunity for that person to, to rise to the heights of heaven if he accepts, and the worse the judgment for him to be cast in the depths of hell if he rejects that great chance that was presented in the gospel. So these are the instructions that the Lord gave to his disciples, his apostles, as he prepared them to go out and be not just learners, but now messengers of his gospel good news to the world. And may God, may God help us to, to take to heart what he said for as our own instructions as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord Jesus and what a great prepare he was and is. And Lord, we pray that, that we would, Lord, take to heart 
all that he said this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.